When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. And Judd, I think there's no better place to start than with your notebook, which now I am seeing in person that has many angry, raging notes scratched in it after the Wilds' very sad performance in Boston. Where do you want to start, Collar? Do you want to start with the line combinations to start the game when Boudreaux was trying to light a spark under this Wobegon team? Do you want to go to the third period line combinations when nothing worked? Do you want to go to the fact that your guy Ennis was on the what the second line to start the, the game with Eric Stahl? You know what? Let's start with Eric Stahl. How about we start there? Okay. Because we both said last year, we both said during the course of what was a really nice bounce back year, don't count on this being the norm. Eric Stahl two years ago was, I think, bad. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. Got traded from Carolina to the Rangers. It didn't. It didn't improve. Signed a very reasonable contract with the Wild, and I thought had a very nice bounce back year. And during the course of that year, we both said several times, I don't know if this is going to be sustainable. So far, in my opinion, it has not been. And uh, this is not to dump on him, but my God. I mean, this team, their performance in Boston was awful. And, and here's the sad thing. I wasn't completely surprised by it because I was at the two Tuesday night home games before that, which were Vancouver and then the Jets game at which this was set up. This team is really inconsistent. It's maddening. And as far as I'm concerned, the Wolves are quickly overtaking this team for even my interest when it comes to winter sports in Minnesota. But at least you're taking it well overall. Uh, to I just your... wasted six games of going to watch <laughs> these guys. To your point about uh, Eric Stahl, I really was unsure when they signed him to the contract. The money was right, so it was hard to complain about. And what he did last year was spectacular. Uh, I didn't expect him to bring 60 points to the table after he had had some down years in Carolina. But many things last year went right that would be hard to repeat. There were players like Miko Koivu, Mikel Granlund, Charlie Coyle, Nino Niederreiter, guys who were setting career highs across the board that are hard to go back and do again, especially when you're talking about having career-high shooting percentages, meaning you're scoring at a much higher rate than you usually would. And some of that is schematics. They were playing an up-tempo game. They were creating a lot of scoring chances and that would suggest that you would have your shooting percentage uptick, but it's hard to keep it double of what your career high is or something like that. Koivu's was way above what it usually is, and so you figured there would be some regression. There would also be some regression on the injury luck. They weren't injured last year. 
I mean, Brodine was dinged up for a little bit, but they had Scandella to fill in. Who else was really hurt last year? Uh, almost yeah. nobody. They had played with a complete lineup for most of the year, and now that they've been dinged up, we're seeing that this is the type of team that needs to be at full strength to even be competitive in the Central Division. And when you take away a piece, especially a piece that you can rely on night in and night out to give you the full effort, like Zach Parisi, then when you take that piece away, it really shines a bright light on the mental weakness of a lot of these players. Yes. And I think we've seen that over the years, but there was always Parisi there to be the guy who was going to be a workhorse every night, even if he wasn't effective all the time right. over this stretch, that he was going to set a standard there, and now they just don't have that player. What is driving me crazy is this, though, and and you, you broached it with uh, mental weakness discussion. The inconsistency of this team, because that's what drives me nuts. When, you, when they lost to Chicago in the last game of the six-game homestand, and I get it. Dubnik played really well. It was a tough game. It wasn't a great loss, but but there were some things there where you thought that they were impressive enough. They come back, open a four-game, I think six-day road trip in Boston, and they got nothing. I mean, that performance on Monday in Boston was terrible. Now, if that was your first clunker in 13 games, I might say, okay, I get that. But as I said before, it wasn't. Vancouver to open your six-game homestand, you didn't show up. Then you come back and play. You beat the Islanders on that Thursday, play a much-improved game. I think scored six goals in that game, Matthew. And then you come back and you beat Pittsburgh, I think, 2-1 to one in a really good game. That's impressive. And you say, okay, a corner has been turned here. This team might not be great, but they've turned a corner. The next Tuesday you come back against the Jets, and it's the same crap. And then last night again, so... The mental weakness and instability of this team, and I actually, I feel bad for Boudreaux because I think he looks at this team and says, every time I think I've got the answer, something goes wrong now. And he's gone from early in the year being upset about their play and being hard on them to saying, okay, after the Canucks game, this clearly is not, my approach is not working, so I'm going to back off of them and sort of coddle them. And that sort of worked, and you said, okay, this is working to now, basically, after the Boston game, being mad again. So this is a tough one, But and I realize that they've got guys like Parisi and Coyle hurt, and they've got some guys coming back. All of that being said, it's the level of inconsistency and the amount of just really bad games that's driving me nuts. And I think that that's what you get with a roster of one-dimensional players who do not have a high ranking in the mental toughness area. Uh, you know, players like Jason Zucker, for example, he was dropped in the lineup last night. I mean, this is a very one dimensional player who does one thing well. He skates real fast toward the net and puts the puck in the goal. That's the only thing he really brings to the table. When he's doing it. When he's doing it. But if he did it over 82 games, he'd score 50 or 60 goals. No, he's not going to do that. So you look for 20 to 30 goals. If that player is just providing a role for you, He's hot when he's hot, and he'll win you a few games. When he's not, that's okay because we've got X, Y, Z. If you take away and subtract parts from that, you're not going to be able to rely on Jason Zucker on a night-to-night basis. And I think this kind of up and down the roster. I mean, Ryan Suter you can rely on for the most part on a nightly basis. 
but that's just a defenseman, and it's not a defenseman who's a puck carrier who's just going to dominate possession and take over games the way someone like Eric Carlson would. Uh, Jared Spurgeon is very good in that area, but again, he's not Drew Doughty or Eric Carlson where they're just going to dominate. So when you're short on your Parisi and Eric Stahl isn't playing at a very high level, where like, there isn't much toughness to this roster, and I don't mean throwing fists no, i mean toughness, i mean right. the, the toughness to be resilient right. and battle through things like this and i think boudreau is finding out probably what mike yo knew quite well that uh mike yo found out year after year that this team does not do well uh in the face of adversity yep. and i think that that's what we're running into right now and my question is then how do you solve that problem because i think this is a better team than what we saw against boston and it's probably not the dead last team in the Central, but I'm not so sure that they won't stay down there no matter what Boudreaux does, and I think he's about as good of a coach as there is in the league. The answer to your question, I have no clue. I mean, short of a shakeup of some sort, when you, when you look at the fact that this team has been mentally weak for quite some time, Parisi, Parisi brings something, um, but I don't think he brought necessarily as much as I thought he did at one time. But he's out now for the long term. I don't know that there's an answer here because Koivu's your captain, and he's a hardworking player, but he's not going to be the guy to go into the locker room and say this stops right, right now. Stahl's not playing well enough at this point to do it. Suter's not that guy. So unfortunately... If you're asking the question, who is your who is your guy who's going to basically stop this um, spiral, at least mentally, from happening? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. And I think that's one thing that has Boudreaux so upset. He has no idea. I think the thing with Zach Parisi that's different from Koivu because both are guys that work, but. Parisi could take over a game offensively at times. And I remember specifically a game quite well last year against St. Louis where they had been sputtering a little bit. It was maybe right before the All-Star break, and he just decided that he was going to take that game over. Mm -hmm. And he created a bunch of scoring chances by himself. He won every puck battle. I mean, Koivu can put the puck in if he's got a good chance. He could set other guys up by winning face-offs and, and get possession, mm -hmm. but he is not a player that could just take the puck himself and decide he's going to score. Parisi couldn't do it all the time now like he did in New Jersey, but right. there was still that ability if, if we're struggling, if we're fading, that this is a guy who can step it up and give you a chance. And with him out of the lineup, I just think it, it when he went down officially with the surgery – that it was a gargantuan blow to their chances, and I think that's really showing up now how much the roster needed to be at 100%. Sure. Uh, I may have made this comparison before, but I don't remember if it was on recording or not with you, but I think of it as a, when you have a great defense, that if you have a great offense and your left guard gets hurt, okay, well, your quarterback's great, so it doesn't matter. You'll just keep trucking and you'll slide in somebody else. When you have a great defense usually you can't just replace Harrison Smith with Anthony Harris. You can't just put in the next best guy and have it be the same. And when you don't have a top-notch superstar player to carry you, or even and they're really not scoring on the special teams either, the power well, the play, play has been terrible. Right, it, it hasn't been fantastic. So, I mean, Boston has this, right? Like, Boston has had bad rosters for years, and they've stayed alive because they have Brad Marchand, not last night, but they have Patrice Bergeron plays 20-something minutes last night. He's killing penalties. He's on their power play. 
It's just that type of player does not exist here, and I don't know how to change that outside of a big trade or something, and they weren't in on the tourists or the Duchesne trade, so now who's even the name that's out there that you could get who's a star player? And this goes back to, to what we've talked about for months now, which is coming off last year's first-round playoff loss to the Blues, it feels like, it felt like and feels like they were just stuck. The cap didn't go up, right? And the question is, where are you going to go for help? And the answer is you're not. You're not, and you feel stuck. And that's why, while I guess I expect them to improve, I don't know how, how much they can improve based on the fact that this roster... I mean, your biggest offseason move, I believe, was Matt Cullen. Now, God bless him. He's a hard-working veteran player, but he just turned 41, and he's a fourth-line guy, third-line tops, probably fourth. So... Well, I like that move. There was no move that you could make in the summer months where you said, uh-huh, that's a big move. You just said, we're going to take th- this roster and we're going to add a piece here or there. Zucker to me, though, this is a guy who's a prime example because he never changes. I mean, there's a lot of fans now saying, oh, no, he's really good. He's fan, And when he applies himself, he's good. But he got dropped to the third line for a while against Boston on Monday because Boudreaux sees him doing what? Standing around. And that goes back two years. That goes back three years. The reason why he consistently always gets demoted and then comes back up is because you have to you have to light a, a fire under the guy's butt. And it drives you crazy because you eventually, Collar, want to see a guy say, I get it now. But he doesn't. And, and that's the story with this team is you don't have a lot of guys who you say, you know what? There's a lot of progress there. You have a lot of guys, in my opinion, on this roster who often revert back to who they were, which is the problem. I think with this roster, you have many players that if they were placed on the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Chicago Blackhawks, they would be held up and lauded as great, great players, even if they were inconsistent, even if they had their struggles. And I don't include Nino Niederreiter in this conversation because I, th- I think he is a really good two-way player and one of the best possession players in the NHL, but he's not a 70-point scorer or anything right. like that. He's a very solid um, player. But, but if you're talking about these inconsistent one-dimensional players, if they were flying up and down the wing across from Patrick Kane, say – and they were scoring points from him because he's going to score almost every night, Yep, that we would feel differently about this stuff. I, I think what you have in the NHL is drivers and passengers. Mm-hmm. Zucker is a good passenger, mm-hmm. but he is not a driver. He's not going to drive you defensively. He's not going to drive possession. And he never he's, will. He can only just be a scorer, and that's fine, and that's got a lot of value. And I like players like that on a team. You absolutely need them. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to carry you through tough times, and they always end up as the brunt of the the anger of the coach. That when the coach looks out at his team and he doesn't see a great effort, he's going to look to those one-dimensional flawed players, but they kind of are what they are. I just don't know how to change the stripes of this team with the same problem that we've had for a long time. Outside of Judd, there is something I go back to, though, with this team that might have changed the course of history a little bit here, but they missed the boat, and that's trading a defenseman at last year's trade deadline. What happened to them in this offseason was that the expansion draft led to Vegas getting every defenseman in the whole world, and then all of a sudden the value of defensemen went down. 
because they were available. If you wanted to trade for a defenseman, yeah, you could there. get one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Montreal decides that they're going to trade uh, Mikhail Sergachev. And and so then him on the market, he would have been the most valuable possible defenseman. They end up getting Jonathan Druin back for him. So all of a sudden, Marco Scandella's value goes down. Also, the cap situation for the Wild, everybody knew, you've got to move this guy, so we're not going to give you any breaks. And what you get back is two players who I would say, and I know both of them, I covered Marcus Foligno in the American Hockey League, he is a great person he's a pretty man too he and he's an attractive human being and he can be effective at times these are players who will not help you win games that i mean it's that simple well, that yeah. that marcus felino is another Ennis, guy yeah. on the roster that's that's it and I mean, can we start there the fact that this guy has had concussion problems is no surprise i have never seen a little guy initiate as much contact a- as him and I don't know it's necessary. I mean, he's out there. And listen, if you're a little guy who likes to throw hits and you get the puck away from guys, I totally get it. But he's out. But every time I see him play, he's initiating unnecessary contact to, like, the, his head. And he's got concussion problems. Uh, Felino looks like he works hard, I guess. But, yes, this if you are going to say, okay, the Wild has to trade a, a defenseman who has value. He might not be great, but he, there's – value there these two that, that they got for him underwhelm you well and also consider that jason pominville was the team's leader in even strength scoring rate last year so yeah, you also a good start in buffalo i mean you fun. also gave away a guy who was producing at five on five and i mean kel granland uh got a lot of his points on the power play last year but uh pominville even for limited minutes was putting up good point totals and mm-hmm. you just take away 50 points off your roster and don't replace it. He drove and, me crazy. So, well, I I know he did. But I'm okay with when that you one. compare that though. But when the you trade com- isn't. Yeah. When you compare a smart player this who could got. be a playmaker, and now you bring in Ennis, who is not a smart player, yeah. and has not gotten it back at all in years. What's his problem though? I mean, dude, you're a little guy with concussion problems. Well, I th- I think you're gonna get hurt again. I think when he came in the league, he was about as good of a skater as there was. And I think the game has gotten a lot faster over the last five years. So I think that a lot of the skaters around him, especially younger players, are just as fast. So instead of being able to whiz around everybody, he can't anymore. He's the same speed as most people. And I, I think his offensive skill is high end, but it, it's certainly not so elite that he's going to be able to dangle around everyone. And he's reckless. And he, That's the word, he's reckless. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of times you'll see him try to just skate through center ice and just lose the puck. <laughs> right? I mean, it happens all the time. It happened in or Buffalo. Or just get hit. Yeah, just get hit and then lose the puck. Yeah. And so th- this isn't a player who's really made an adjustment over the years to everyone else catching up to his speed. And we've known this, and you knew it when you traded for him. And Chuck Fletcher said, well, you know, he's just been hurt. Uh, yeah, but he played most of the previous year and couldn't put anything in the net. So this isn't a surprise at all. So I, I think back to that as kind of a pivotal moment of what could you have gotten at that time for Matt Dumba or for Marco Scandella at the, at, deadline, at the deadline last year. Now, you couldn't do that because you thought this is our one shot to go win a Stanley Cup. But in hindsight, your value there is probably much higher than it was. So as much as I would like to criticize Chuck Fletcher for this trade, because I could have told you and sat here and told you, you are not getting anything back here. 
Um, I don't know who else was on the table. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher really had been after Felino for five years or just said that. Because all the time we go back and rip these guys for quotes, but it's like, well, you just traded for the guys. You're not going to say anything rude. Yeah, I had to take him. Right. Yeah, I we, had no choice. We had no other option. If Buffalo offered me some crap, so I took it. You're not going to say that. Um, here's the one. So here, here's a guy that has played a lot. And I, honest to God, Matthew, have noticed him maybe twice. Yul Erickson Eck. Now he's young, okay. So I'm not. So I'm not saying that there's no future here. We're game thirteen. I totally get that. All of that being said, we're talking about a guy who I believe during the course of the last homestand was a third line center, playing on a halfway decent line. Uh, by last night, had been dropped to the fourth line, and I want to say in the second period last night, it was so bad, got moved to the wing. I haven't noticed him. I'm not saying I'm not saying I say that oh yeah he's I see him and he's playing bad or he's playing good. I just don't see him. I mean I remember at the end of last year seeing him enough to say there's definitely some talent and skill there. But it is remarkable how ineffective that kid has been 13 games in. I'm really surprised and disappointed in his performance so far because when I saw him come back at the end of last year, I saw Someone more confident, someone stronger, looked like an NHL prospect, and I consider him to be a pretty bright player, a guy who should play at both ends that has enough skill to produce maybe 30, 40 points or or maybe even more than that if he got power play time, and there has been nothing there so far. And now it's, well, okay, do you send him to Iowa, or what, what can you do here to get him going? But, man, this is a league where guys who have it show up pretty quick. And if he doesn't get going, then you're going to start to wonder, is this a prospect that doesn't have it to be your number two center or something like that down the road? And then even your long-term outlook, you start to wonder, who's going to play center for this team? (laughs) I mean, they signed Koivu to the absurd contract. Oh, come on. I was told that was a good contract. Yeah, okay. Well, that's great. Um but so you you've got the Koivu is locked in now for way too long. Yeah. You've got Stahl is still locked in for another year. Yep. Which which is fine. That that was a good contract. Yeah. I mean you got good, a good deal on it. It was a good contract at the time, but it's not gonna be a good contract next no, year if no, he continues but, to play this way. Okay, okay. But I would do that contract because of the money. Back up. Koivu's contract. In light of what's go- going on now, can you explain it to me at, at all? You need centers, you need expiring cap room, right? I'm not wrong there, right? You need you now you now have to work under the year-to-year assumption that cap's not going to move basically. So it's going to remain flat. Why on earth did you consider would you consider him to be worthy of another contract extension when if he really likes it here, you sign him to a contract after the season, but if nothing else, you create cap room for yourself when he comes off the books. I don't understand it. When we talked about it after he signed, I think I said, do not sign players right after their best shooting percentage year they've ever had. You definitely said that. Because you are overpaying. That even if you have to wait till midseason, you know what? Everybody says, I'm not going to negotiate during the season. Here's a bunch of money. Okay, I'm negotiating in the middle of the season. And you're not. You just Be- take it. Right. Because Right. You don't have to. <laughs> you you, don't have that's to what you have agents for. <laughs> uh, and I totally agree with you that if he 
wanted to stay here, then that would have been okay. If you're thinking you're getting a deal, well, it certainly doesn't look like it now. And anytime you're signing a guy post 35, you should be really concerned about giving him years. Those should be one-year contracts because older players fall off the map and you never know when it's going to happen. It happens in every sport where someone's good and then all of a sudden they're terrible and that's just the world. Like I guess that's just sports and how it works. Alex Rodriguez had that one year where he came back from the suspension and hit like 35 home runs, and then he like couldn't make the team the next year. It's just how it goes. So you're taking a massive risk anytime you're signing any term to those guys and not waiting to see how it would play out. Mm-hmm. That's really, uh, really surprising too. So, uh, I mean, yeah, they, what they were doing is putting value on centers, but way overvaluing this center. And now that's going to show up long term. And I also think like win now mode. I mean, are we in win now mode anymore or did that end last year? Cause I think that has to end last year, but that move with Koivu was a win now move. What you, anytime you sign an older player to a long contract, it's always, well, we're trying to win right now, so forget the future. I think in their minds, they, they are still very much win now. They have to be in their minds. Are they really? No, they're not. I mean, when Parisi's going to miss this much time, you're in a lot of trouble here. That's what I'm saying is they're just sort of stuck. They're not, I don't think they're going to be awful, but they're not going to be good. They very easily, in a very competitive conference and division, could miss the playoffs, and that's the problem. Um, I don't fault Boudreaux too much at all for what's going on here. He's doing the best with the personnel he's got, Matthew. But let me say this. I would like to be the first to say I would play Alex Stalak more. This Dubnik has to play all the time. Needs to. He lets in enough bad goals, and yes, a few years back he saved your bacon, and I get that. And, yes, if you get to the playoffs, you you would hope he could be the guy. But that second goal at Boston was awful. His confidence so so far, he played really well in the last game of the homestand against the Blackhawks. But, for the most part, his confidence seems shaken. He's allowing a fluky or bad goal per night, I think. I would play Staylock more. I'm not saying he's the answer, but I do think that this reliance on Dubnik as the man needs to end a little bit. Well... Where they are in the central right now, I don't know how you can go to your backup. I mean, this is a guy who has one of the highest save percentages in the league since coming to Minnesota, as high as Carey Price coming into this year. And so he's been one of the elite goalies in the NHL by save percentage, which I, I think is probably the best metric over the last three seasons. Now that you're in the basement, the only way that you're going to get out with a team that's so flawed is another Dubnik saves your bacon performance. I don't know what's coming. Now, the way that I would think of it, though, Judd, is when a goalie has a rough time to start a season, just keep playing him because you know he's good, right? You know that Devin Dubnik is good, and he will turn it around. That's how goalies are. They have hot stretches and cold stretches. We saw it from Dubnik last year. Amazing to start the season. He's going to win the Vesna, and then he hit the skids. Boudreaux should not have written him so hard then. Absolutely. But now you have to. I, I look up at the Central. I think St. Louis, who has been a cup contender for years, may have finally made the move. And this is what we talk about with the Wild, is you never know when this could be possible. To get Braden Shen, I don't mm-hmm. think Shen is one of the three or four best centers in the NHL, um, but I think he's a really good player. And they have stacked talent up front. 
with uh, Jaden Schwartz as their leading scorer. He's a great player. We know Tarasenko scores like crazy. They have that great defense. Petrangelo is one of the best in the league. And now they look great, right? Winnipeg, they're getting goaltending. They're fantastic. Yeah, Winnipeg's playing great right now. Nashville just got way better by adding Kyle Turris. Dallas is very competitive with Alexander Radulov and a goalie. Chicago hasn't gotten it together yet. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But you need, essentially, when you get this far behind in the race with better teams, you need a miracle performance from your goalie if you're going to stick around. And I, I think if you're Boudreau, you just have to keep running Dubnik out there Dubnik every night. Dubnik seems off to, to me. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. He went down. Now, he did go down to Boston, and I think it was in the second period, and looked hurt, stayed in the game. But I don't know. There's something in watching this wild team that something is off. They can't they can't get things together. They're inconsistent as hell. And I don't know where you turn or what you do, but something needs to change. And and I think it goes back to, to what we talked about before, is I think it starts with the mentality of this team, mental toughness, which you might not have, but when when Cunnan decides to basically get in a fight after you give up, I think, your second goal, and he's a rookie. And he basically decides, I've got to lead this team. That speaks volumes about your veterans. And it's not, and it's not that it's great that the kid tried to get in, in a fight, but what it speaks volumes about is a rookie recognized something was wrong and basically tried to spark his teammates. That should not be a rookie's job. I agree with that. And, you know, usually I try to look for schematic things. Numbers things, things that you can put your hands on instead of the mental toughness or the the things that are a little more intangible. With this team, I don't know what I've got. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux is about as good as a coach there is at adjusting on the fly. I'm with you. And what he did in Anaheim, I think his final year was, was incredible. They got off to a very poor start. He had to adapt. They weren't scoring. They weren't playing the high pace very well anymore. Some of the guys got older. And he adapted quickly to being a possession team. In season. In season. And, know, they, yeah. and they won the division. Yep. So I wouldn't count Boudreaux out from finding a solution to this. I just don't know what that is. Because I, I've looked at the numbers. They're getting their faces beat in in the possession. They're not playing well five on five. Their special teams aren't very good. Their goaltending isn't very good. And it's the same flawed roster than as last year, only worse, with guys that I don't know what to do with. Like, Chris Stewart scores a few goals. Big stunner. He hasn't continued to do that over the last few games. So what am I supposed to do with him? There's so many guys who are bottom six players Uh who are now asked to play in top six roles. When you play Boston, well, they've got Patrice Bergeron. Like, even without Marchand, they've got one of the best players in the NHL, a guy who's on the video game cover. And how do you face that when you have some of your best guys out? It's very difficult on a nightly basis. Some nights you might get some luck or you might have somebody get hot and win, but they just they just don't match up with the top players very well. And Coyle will come back at some point here, but guess what? Coyle is, once again, inconsistent. So can Charlie Coyle help them? Yes, absolutely because he, he can ascend to the top line pretty quickly. But do I expect that to change things completely? No, I don't. I mean, Parisi would be the one guy, if you knew that the old Zach Parisi was going to come back, but if you think that, you're crazy. I mean, hopefully he comes back in January or so, and, and hopefully he can be effective and play. But he can't, I don't see any way, Collar, that he can step in and play that same exact type of style. 
and take a beating in front of the net and in the corners coming off a back issue. So, you know, there's nobody I short of a trade. There's nobody I see coming in here who's going to save the day completely. You can get some upgrades, but you don't say that this guy changes the entire face of the team because if Parisi came back in his form from five, six years back, then it, it would be different, but he's not going to. Uh, what did you make of the trade of Matt Duchesne? Finally, the entire NHL world has been talking about a possible trade of Matt Duchesne. I feel like for five years, it's been it, it has been a very long years, time. It has been a long time, and Colorado trades him away. Well, they are competitive so far this year. Yep. And Nashville gets a lot stronger. So now, down the middle, Nashville has Ryan Johansson, Nick Benino, and Kyle Turris. A pretty good set of centers there to go along with their great defense, which will eventually get Ryan Ellis back. I mean, that makes them right back to me at the top of the Western Conference for your cup contenders. I love this trade for Nashville. I mean, I, I think the Avs get something for down the road, definitely. The Senators, I'm not as sure about, but if I'm the Wild, I hate this trade because this trade, to me, makes the Preds good at the position that we always talk about in the sport, right? Center. And it's it's the one position, and heck, this goes back to when we started doing this podcast, Collar, but from the day that we started this podcast, we've always talked about the Wild at center and the fact that they're not that deep there and they're not that good and that they don't have a true number one. So for the here and now, if I'm the Preds, I love this trade. I think it's fantastic. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.